0: Welcome to Inside the Pipe, the industrial refrigeration podcast that covers the work, lifestyle, and hazards of a career in natural refrigeration,
1: where we love the smell of ammonia and hate the smell of sulfur. Here's your host, Joshua Reese.
0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the very first episode of Inside the Pipe. I seriously appreciate you guys tuning in, and I'm excited to finally get this damn thing off the ground. This has been months in the making, thousands of dollars in equipment, and a lot of learning curves right off the bat, but it's finally here. So why do a podcast? Everything I've studied about podcasting said that I have to have an answer for this. In all honesty, it was an easy answer for me to come up with. I love to talk shop. I love to bullshit with the customer, and I also like to pass on knowledge. You know, that's what keeps us safe and sharp in this industry. Like most of you guys, my phone doesn't stop ringing. I support a lot of customers, new and old, friends in the industry and techs that work with me. I'm open to helping anyone and everyone. My goal is to get as much information passed on to the industry as possible. The more information we can get out, the better we do at our jobs, and the safer we become. That's the deal behind making this podcast. With that being said, I do not claim to know everything. This podcast will have experts from all different kinds of positions within our industry, and I'm doing this from the perspective of someone that wants to learn. I'm constantly on the lookout for ways to improve. That's the only way to improve. I know that when I thought I knew it all, I was less open to listening to other people's opinions, and that's a great way to stand still in your career. And I'm speaking from experience. I've been that arrogant asshole in my younger days. I'd also like to throw out there that I've never been the type of guy to accept the that's the way it is answer. I want to fully understand what I'm talking about, and I ask questions. With that being said, I will always respect your right to do so as well. I'm always open to learn something new. If you feel I'm saying something that needs to be corrected, correct me, please. No one is doing anyone favors by keeping information to themselves. Just wanted to throw that out there, guys. So let's get into a little of my professional career. I've spent the last 20 years working in various roles in the industrial refrigeration field. The majority of that has been in service. I've traveled the country doing startups and control upgrades, removing and installing motors and compressors, all the way to mechanical integrities and sitting in on PHA meetings as the contractor. My passion is refrigeration. I love working on the equipment. I love large-scale pump-outs. I love solving complex issues. This is my passion like it is y'all's. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's get into today's podcast. Today's guest is none other than Mr. Dan Worms from CAMCO. Dan is the Director of Refrigeration Oils and Technical Support. Me and Dan actually started talking a while ago about oil loss in screw compressors because of an article I wrote on LinkedIn. And through those conversations, we discussed a ton of relative information that could help us manage our oil a little better in our systems. I asked Dan if he would be my first guest, and like the champ Dan is, Dan accepted. So let's get into what Dan has for us. Dan, what is going on, man? How is your day going?
1: It's, you know, it's going pretty good, you know, for, uh, you know, the weather's starting to finally turn around a little bit. We're getting a little more snow today, but it's, we're getting out of the deep freeze that we're in for, you know, a good two weeks and, you know, whatnot, so, but, uh, yeah, I want to thank you for, you know, having me on on uh, the podcast and to be able to, you know, you know, talk more about oil for those that, you know, don't always have uh, the luxury of being able to talk about, about oil or, you know, they don't, uh, you know, feel comfortable even talking about it or asking anybody about it because, you know, sometimes oil is just oil to people.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. That is the that's the that's the main thing or at least the main attitude about it. Most people um, they, they really don't care much about what happens to the oil, whether it's passing or not. And it, until they're, until it gets to be a major issue, that's whenever they start thinking about it.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's usually when it is when, you know, we you know, when we're, when we're calling facilities and contractors trying to, you know, get them to carry our product and, and offer it to their customers, a lot of times it's, it's not a high priority item, you know, cause they're like, well, I got oil now. I I really don't, you know, I, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, know, when you're, you know, when you're trying to sell them a, you know, a better product and things like that, sometimes it works. And and sometimes they're like, you know, we're, we're just happy with what we got, you know, and until they have a problem. And a couple of years later, they're calling you going, yeah, we need to talk about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that's probably a hard market to bust into (laughs) as far as sales uh, for sure. Well, I mean, it is for us nowadays because, you know, all the OEMs are carrying much better oils than, than years past. I mean, uh, you know, back when, when Camco Lubricants was founded back in, you know, 1986, there, there wasn't a lot of, you know, the OEMs, you know, some of them had oil, some of them didn't, but you know, the you know the in those days they just said yep just call up mobile or call up shell or whoever and and you know oil was oil back then now it's it's a completely different market with the technologies that in the refining processes that have that have come out you know nowadays so it, it, it's a little harder to sell it, you know, to people, you know, when when they already have a, a, a product and it's a good product. But, you know, sometimes they don't realize that, you know, maybe what they have might not be exactly what they need for their system. And yeah. again, again, what they think is normal, sometimes it is not normal, you know, for some yeah. of them. So. Yeah,
0: definitely. It's funny because I haven't seen, um, I remember when I first got into the field, um, there was a lot of mobile and shell oils out there and and that's becoming less and less uh you know so they're not i i can definitely i mean i've even seen royal purple out there which was a really really kind of blew my mind i think that that's something that wagner Miner puts in their compressors or 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 something like that i i can't remember yeah
1: there's i mean there was a lot more of it back in the day um you know but now with with the manufacturers and their warranties that really is you know kind of it, it, aced out, aced out those those smaller market, you know, oil blenders that were doing that. The, the ammonia refrigeration oil market is 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 really a specialty market, and and people don't really realize it because again, there's a lot of people that just think oil's oil. So, but when it comes down to it, again, it's a it's a specialty market in. And if you want to get a cheap oil that's going to work, I mean, you can go down some of those roads, but if you want a, you know, a good high quality OEM oil, then, then there's other alternatives out there that, you know, for aftermarket purposes, you know, for when the warranty period's up, that's, that's kind of where we come into play, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's do this. How, let's get into a little bit of uh, your background. How'd you, uh, how'd you get into the position that you're at now or what was it like leading up to this?
1: So, I mean, for me, I, I basically worked for uh, a family-owned mechanical contractor that's actually a sister company of of Camco Lubricants. And we, uh, so I, I, you know, that uh, my grandfather started a long time ago, but um, we, I, so I spent pretty much 20 years in the field as a union pipe fitter uh, and doing, you know, I went through the service program. Uh, for HVAC service here at uh, Dunwoody in in Minneapolis, and then got into the Minneapolis uh, Pipefitters Local 539, spent uh, just shy of 20 years, you know, installing and servicing uh, ammonia refrigeration systems, but we were also, uh, you know, an all round contractor. So, we did do a lot of high-pressure steam, low-pressure steam, hydronic heating, and, and cooling systems. So, you know, I got, got to see a lot of different stuff. Put in a lot of, you know, boiler, you know, steam boilers and and hot water boilers, as long as chillers and things like that. So, you know, it's it's a market where I, you know, I you got to see a lot of different things and and educated on a lot of different things. So, um, for me, the advantage I had was knowing that at the time my dad was the it was selling the the ammonia oil and a lot of the, the contractors, or, I mean, a lot of the customers say that, that we worked with as a contractor, we, we sold Camco to every one of them. And so you could see the difference in facilities that I would go into that were not using uh, an OEM oil at the time, or even a Camco oil, but they were, and you could see the difference in, in how often they had to add and drain oil, you know, to the compressors and, and, from the system. So there, you know, when you're spending, you know, six, eight months working in an engine room, putting in a couple of compressors or changing out a vessel, it, you kind of, you spend a lot of time and, you know, I, am a detail guy. So I, I pay a lot of attention to the details, the, the small things, you know, of you know, sounds a compressor makes when it loads up or different, different things, you know, it's just kind of my nature is to pay attention to those. So, you, you know, I, uh, was fortunate enough to to have that experience and and you know bring that I bring that into the you know the oil the the Camco side of things of you know being you know having that background of working you know in, in industrial refrigeration facilities for for years. So
0: yeah, yeah, and you can I mean there's no better place to gain experience than whenever you're doing startups like that. So so was it is so how long have you been with Camco?
1: I've been with Camco for a little over five years. Uh, in in the office, but I, you know, pretty much was involved in it. You know, I didn't know all the ins and outs about it, you know, being that my dad was, you know, kind of the one running the the business at the time and, and selling the oil, uh, you know, with some of the the previous salesmen that have, you know, retired and, and things like that. But, you know, it's something that was always around and I always, you know, knew it was there. So, I mean, since, since high school, that's about the time when I started getting involved in the family business. (laughs) So. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 It's good to get in young.
0: I got in young too. I was, I actually was, I was uh, 16 years old when I, when I got into refrigeration and Mm I, um, I, a a buddy of mine's dad is a mechanical contractor and it just started out by me working, um, you know, over the summers and just kind of helping out and it just evolved from there. Um, you know, I, I, I absolutely love this industry.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something where I always, you know, when we, there's a, there's a local dairy here in, in town where we live that's, you know, been here forever, and, and um, you know, so when I was a kid, we'd drive past there, and I'd always look at the condensers on the roof. I never knew what they were, but I always kind of looked at them, you know, those big fans turning and stuff, and always wondered yeah. what it was, you know, but, I mean, I, I initially when I got out of high school, I didn't really have you know i didn't really know for sure what i was going to do but i was working you know as a truck driver uh at my grandpa's company and you know he was he came out one day and he's like so what are you going to do when you graduate you know in a couple months i said I don't know I was thinking about going to school for this or that and he says no you're not he says you're going to be a pipe fitter i'm like really me a pipe fitter <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> you know cuz my again my dad was a pipe fitter also before me and he's like you don't want to do it it's hard on your body and and i listened to grandpa instead of dad <laughs>
0: wow wow so, so you got voluntold <laughs> yeah
1: basically that's said you That's what you're gonna do and it's like yeah well yeah. you know you're not wrong i mean again even as a truck driver i was always you know i'd be delivering you know pipe and parts out to guys that were you know putting in you know systems somewhere here or there, putting an addition on and it was always kind of i was always kind of interested in it. you know you'd look in that engine room and you're like what's going on in there you know
0: <laughs> yeah so, yeah I don't regret I am so thankful that I got into this whenever I did um I I don't you know I a lot of the guys that I knew that went to college and even graduated I mean they still um you know they definitely wasn't wasn't making the money that I was back then and they're and they they're they're not now you know so there's some the trades they're hurting right now but it's it's good money you know it's it's a you can make a
1: really good living doing this well up, up I mean up here in in uh you know, the Midwest, the Northern Midwest, I would say they're the trade people and, and people that want to work with their hands and become mechanics and things like that. You can't find them. It's, it's hard. I mean, even our, our yeah. local unions, it's hard to get people that, that want to come in and do that stuff nowadays, you know, so was. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I definitely don't regret it either. I mean, it, it was hard on my body and everything. And, you know, you had some really long days, some long tie-ins, long shutdown startup systems. Yeah. And, but, you know, yeah. it, you look back on it, you go, I, I sure learned a lot. And, you know, it, it was, uh, You sometimes you go back on, yeah, I, I learned a lot more than you think about the money you made. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's, it, this is definitely a field that you, it, it can be tough, especially in the beginning. And, and when the further back you go, like whenever I got into the industry, there was a lot of guys that were, I mean, they were hard on you. They were going to kick mm-hmm. your ass every single day. Oh, yeah. You were carrying yep. tools, cleaning tools off, carrying the heavy parts. I mean, it, it was hard. I, you know, I think, I think that that especially, you know, not that I want to jump on generations or anything like that, but, (laughs) you know, I think that that's one of the things you know, these, uh, a lot of them don't like working with their hands and I don't think that they're going to, you know, or or not that they, they couldn't make it, but it it just, uh, at least that's the trend that I've seen from, from some of the younger people. It's the, they're, they're. Maybe they're a little bit smarter than us in avoiding (laughs) avoiding the harder work or
1: something. They're they're working smarter while we're working harder, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's 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 talk about this. What's uh, what's some of the common issues um, with refrigeration oils that you're seeing today?
1: Well for some of the people you know there's people out there still using the old technology you know that the old napthenic oils and stuff and and I mean there's even still people you know around town here that that we just haven't gotten to convert over and and it's still big on the west coast the the uh you know the the napthenic technology is still uh you know really big on the west coast and even up into Canada yet that uh you know people just they don't realize what they have in a system in their system. I mean, a a new guy comes in and, and, you know, they're like, Oh, yep. Well, it's Thursday. We got to add oil to all the compressors again. And you know we got, then we got to drain oil two hours from now and then we got to do it again tomorrow. And, and, and that, that's kind of, that's, you know, kind of our, our job again is to educate the, 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 the end users and the contractors of, you know, that we can really, you know, do a heck of a lot better job with, with an oil that, you know, you'll add once every six to eight months versus, you know, every four days, you know, yeah. which in turn keeps the oil out of the system, which increases the system efficiency, um, by, you know, having better refrigeration effect. Cause you don't have any oil in any evaporators, um, and, and things like that. And, I also still see a lot of people that'll have uh, that aren't really running the right uh, pour pointed oil for their system that they have as well. I mean, sometimes yeah. the OEMs get involved with it, sometimes they don't. Um, you know, they just or maybe a contractor specifies something and says this is what we're going to run. You know, and it may not be the again the right uh, temperature oil. So when it does get out in the system, it's freezing and gelling in the low temp suction lines or freezing inside the vessel. Um, I know GCAP's done a lot of uh, studies themselves on what happens to oil in a low temp vessel. And, yeah. how, you know, some people, you know, you might've done it yourself. You do some work, you, you warm up a low temp recirculator and all of a sudden you're draining a hundred gallons of oil out of that thing when you go to fire it back up, cause it thawed out and it finally made its way down to the oil pot because it's, you know, the poor point of that particular oil is, is not low enough for the suction temperature they're running, you know?
0: Yeah. So. I mean, I've had so and I'm I'm almost because I, I've had some systems that especially on the uh, with the with the lower temp um, or running lower temp <laughs> suctions, uh, they they've had a tendency like for, to especially if they're passing oil for, to like clog up strainers, liquid strainers going into evaporators and, and stuff like that. And I've I've seen a couple of situations to where, um, you know, it, it clogged it up so much that the that the technician was able, had it look like it was fully pumped down, um, and had the end cap off, you know, and, and it was so solidified in there that it created a seal. And as soon as he popped it, um, it broke that seal and it just blew out. Yep. Um, you know, but the oil was just so thick, yep. um, that it was, it, it was causing, uh, you know, liquid feed issues into evaporators.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was actually talking to a guy the other day about it and, and, you know, over email and, and, uh, he had mentioned, and I told him I wanted to talk to him next week. I said, I'm curious about it. I'd, you know, I've seen it a few times, but, uh, you know, sometimes with the, the older, you know, again, the, you go back to the napthenic oils where those oils are so volatile and they react That's you know, you got, they're such a, again, it's a solvent refined oil. So it's not, it's not as highly refined as, as the newer technology oils. And when they, the, the aromatic content and the, the, the impurities within that oil react at different temperatures and if you get an old system that majority of the old systems all had recipes running at one time and you know the the oil separation technology was you know way lower than what it is nowadays that they created a lot of carbon and and sludge and that gets out in the system and again you know then you, you go to a new oil and it has the ability to mobilize that stuff and then that's again it either ends up in the strainers or it ends up in the oil filters in the compressors you know eventually yeah. you know but um yeah i mean i i haven't seen it a whole lot of times but i i've heard or heard more about it than what i actually personally you know encountered out out there working on stuff so
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely can be an issue. Do you um what were you calling the oil? It started with the n. What were you
1: like the Napthenic. old
0: technology? Yeah, so Napthenic. what is that? How could somebody identify whether or
1: not they have that kind of oil? <laughs> so the the old naphthenic technologies are are your uh, you know, your your Mobile Arctic 3, the Mobile Arctic 300, the the Shell Clavis, the uh Chevron Capella WF68 um those are the types of oils that, there's, there's a hundred more of them out there in names, um, you know, but the main thing is, is that again, they're solvent refined oils. And, and again, they were initially designed for, you know, the CFCs, R22, R12, 502, the, the, it, it is a mineral oil but it's just a lower, it's the solvent refined oils aren't, again, as highly refined. So they, they use solvent refining where they extract the impurities out and use them for other processes during the refining process, but they don't, it's just not as, it's not as pure of an oil. So those impurities, again, they, they, they come out, you know, during the heat of compression and, yeah. and things like that and, and react at lower temperatures in the actual base oil, which creates them to be more volatile. And it causes the actual oil, the, the other oil, parts of the oil to atomize and not be caught by the coalescing filters or in the old old days, the baffle plated oil, oil separators yeah. that. Um, you know, didn't catch that stuff because it was so atomized that the ammonia or the refrigerant just kept carrying it out, you know. Yeah. So, and again, they they have uh, a lot lower solubility too, or a lot higher, I'm sorry, higher solubility with ammonia so that more ammonia or more refrigerant is absorbed into the oil during, you know, compression and things like that. And it doesn't release as rapidly uh, from the, you know really, the oil doesn't release the the refrigerant as fast as some of the newer technology oils will do
0: so it would probably be safe to say that we, that it's it, it would probably be a good idea to stay away
1: from the solvent refined oils Yes. I mean, they they don't have, they don't, uh, again, solvent refined oils don't even really last in an ammonia environment for more than two to 5,000 hours and that oil is breaking down. So you're not getting a lot of runtime. I mean, that's why a a lot of facilities that use it, not so much on screw compressors, but on recip compressors, because you have less oil, you know, it's cycling through the system a heck of a lot faster and that oil will break down a lot faster. You know, and the solvent refined oils don't have as much of an additive package as the newer oils do. So, again, in that ammonia environment, it, it really breaks it down fast, you know. Yeah. So, it, it just it just doesn't last in there. Where with R22, it's more miscible with R22, and you got a lot more refrigerant that carries the oil through the system and returns it back to the compressor. Where with yeah. ammonia, once it's out there, those two don't mix, they separate, you know.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So let's get into um maybe the different types of oils for industrial refrigeration. You know that 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 we should be seeing out there.
1: So I mean, you, again, you, we had that we we touched on the naphthenic stuff. So <clears throat> then what you hey, have? What's that?
0: Oh, and you said that's more and that's more designed for like the R twenty two or the CFCs.
1: Yep. That's what it was designed initially for. But again, there's a lot of places where they back in the old days before the OEMs had their their oil, that was the oil of choice. That they just that was, it was there. You know, just go with it. Um, so then then you get a lot of uh, the newer the newer stuff. So then you have the the finished oil where it, it's just a single stage uh, hydro treated oil, or some of them are even again it's a higher refining a higher refined solvent refined oil, uh, they're they're not doing as much of that solvent refining, uh, to my knowledge as, as they are doing more of the hydro treated, uh, process. So, um, like your, your Frick three, um, that's, that's a, uh, a, a single stage hydro treated oil. Um, the, uh, let's see, it's the Chevron, uh, Capella P is actually a single stage hydro hydro finished oil as well. Um, but then you get into, you know, like, like our products, our, our Camco 717, uh, the Vilter 717, the Frick 9, um, those are all um, two stage severely hydro treated base oils. So it goes through, you know, um, the, the normal refining process, you know, uh, the refining process takes it into um, uh, a uh, high pressure High temperature environment, which basically completely atomizes that all the impurities and gets all the impurities out of the oil um, during that process so that you're left with a higher, uh, higher quality base oil. Um, So you know, we don't have to get too far into the, the refining process. It's, it's yeah, because yeah. um, that'll bore everybody. <laughs> but, um, <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm, a, I, it's already, I'm on my head's already
1: exploding, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when we, when they go through that process, basically you're, you subject it to, you know, about 765 degrees and about 2000 pounds of nitrogen pressure. Wow. on there. So it wow. actually cracks the oil molecule and adds another carbon atom and saturates it with, um, with hydrogen, that's why it's they're also known as hydrocracked cracked oil. So you got your hydrocracked, hydro treated, isoparaffinic, those are all basically the same thing or and or HVI for high viscosity index. Um, yeah. So a viscosity index also tells you a lot about a fluid itself, which are on all all the you know, oil product data sheets, if anybody gives you one, Um, and the higher the the viscosity index, the more stable that base oil will be over time and temperature. So that's the kind of the key to these particular oils is the Um, the stability that that oil is, it doesn't change its viscosity much as the temperature change goes up and down. So, you know, you go through a screw compressor where, you know, you know, depending on the machine, you could be running a hundred and hundred and ninety, any. You know, 160 to 190 degree discharge temperature out of a screw yeah. compressor. You know, then you go through the oil coolers, then you cool it back down. You know, to 150 or or you know, depending on the machine temperature, and then you heat it back up again. So over those time, that viscosity doesn't change a whole lot of centistroke range. So it stays more stable. Um, yeah. Which which is what allows these oils to last. You know, four to times long, four to eight times longer than a uh you know a napthenic oil because you, you get way more runtime. the oil doesn't break down you know yeah that
0: makes sense well real quick let's touch on that what is so what what's the expected um run times out of each out of each one of the oils so like the napthenic oil, um so, and then what like the frick nine or the or, you know just the different ones just the you know because i don't think that that's that's it is in the book but you know, most people, um, you know, I don't think are changing them based on hours, which a lot of them are going to oil analysis now. Yeah. Um, you know, or change uh, depending on what the oil analysis says. But what what kind of run hours are we looking at?
1: So, like I said, usually with naphthenic oils, we say anywhere from three to five thousand hours. We've done testing on it ourselves, uh, you know, probably about 10 years ago it's been since we tested any of it. But you're looking at, you know, three to 5,000 hours, that oil is beginning to break down. The, add, the what little additive package in there is pretty much gone, and your base oil is starting to thin, uh, thin or thicken up depending on the machine. Uh, Frick nine usually anywhere from 20 to 30,000 hours, sorry, Frick three, uh, usually 20 to 30,000 hours. And every system can be a little different. Some people I know get a heck of a lot more hours. Um, but again, it's, it's a, it's a less, the, the three is a lesser refined oil. And so is the, the, uh, the Capella P, um, they call it the Capella P for isoparaffinic is what they call it, uh, or paraffinic, sorry. Yeah. Um, but then you get into the, the filter 717, the Frick nine, you know, our Camco 717 series, those oils that you're, you're looking at, you know, uh, you know, 50,000 hours plus, I mean, wow. we, got, we got plenty of customers that got, you know, anywhere between 50 and a hundred thousand hours. And, you know, I, I, we do a lot of, a, a lot of our customers, we advise them strongly to do at least biannually, if not quarterly oil analysis, so that they stay on top of what's going on because again that's another thing where oil analysis is so key it's like going to the doctor you know a doctor doesn't know what's going on inside your body they're going to do a they're going to draw some blood and do some tests well that's what this does it tells you what's going on in the compressor if you got wear metals going on if yeah. you've got you know premature bearing failure if you got uh you know if you're if you're having a little bit of wear on a slide valve or or again looking at your 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 moisture your water by carl fisher test tell you okay we're, we're getting a lot of rust and corrosion in the machine well our ammonia oil our ammonia water concentration is on the moon you know yeah so we need to either you know dry out the ammonia put it in an anhydrator or you know change the oil out because of the water yeah so th- those are the key things that are going to cause an oil to break down faster but um then you get in you get into synthetic oils also which majority of the the oems and even even after the OEM warranties up, when we come into play of, you know, usually a, a synthetic oil is used for low temperature. You know, we're looking at minus yeah. minus forty five suction and colder, um, yeah. because you get um, you have a much lower pour point because that oil is so much stronger. The the film is thinner, you know, because yeah. of the stronger molecules of the the synthetic oils. So that's so is there. Any issues with
0: running um, synthetics? Because I have seen th- uh, synthetics in – which, you know, when I, I – mean, you've discussed this in the past before. But when we first started switching um, from mineral to synthetic oils, it, it wreaked havoc in the machines. I mean, we were – we had seals going out filters getting clogged up like like in a few hours like i mean it was a mm-hmm. it was a disaster so i don't i don't know what happened there or what because i mean it seems like it's gotten pretty much the, or they've gotten it ironed out but i know i i had especially in the beginning i had a ton of issues with
1: um switching to synthetics if somebody's switching from like a, a naphthenic mineral oil um Usually what happens is the naphthenic mineral oils still have, they have a natural steel swell because they still have wax and in some of the impurities that, that'll cause, um, you know, and it's, it's usually not so much like the shaft seal itself, but, but O-rings that are behind yeah. covers for the main bearings and, and the lip seal that's actually on the shaft seal itself. Um, yeah. When you, when you take that oil away, you can get some, a little bit of shrinkage, uh, on that seal or on those, those O-rings or the covers on the, you know, putting the different housings of the compressors, screw compressor itself together, there's O-rings between those and, and those can shrink up a little bit and you get a little bit of oil, you know, weepage from those, um, yeah. whether, whether you're going to a, a you know, a severely hydro treated or a synthetic, those oils are so highly refined that they don't have those in that wax or that impurity in there that creates that seal swell, um, so you know ourselves and other other blenders have have come out with uh, a seal conditioner additive that you can put in there so when you do convert that oil um, you uh, y- you can negate you know a good ninety percent of those those little little oil issues when you you know when you change over uh, to a better a better oil um, which you know for us we're we're make sure if somebody's looking at going to one of our products where we we uh, you know, let them know ahead of time that there, there can be issues there. Um And it, the ones that, that, you know, a lot of them are like, well, then I got to change my seals. But, you know, if they're using an old oil, an old technology an naphthenic oil, they, they go, well, you know what, the, 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 uh, the amount of money we saved definitely outweighed the, the few headaches we had, but um you know, the, those old oils, again, with the carbon and the sludge buildup that gets out in the system, it kind of hangs up in the pipes. Well, eventually uh, and in the and in the in the compressor itself. So in the system, you know, a year later to three years later, that stuff will start to the newer oil has the ability to soluble yep. that and move it and carry it somewhere. And the same thing happens within a machine. Usually, if we tell somebody that's going to switch over uh oil from a particular you know an apthenic to one of our oils we tell them okay if there is carbon and sludge in that compressor this oil will mobilize it and you're going to know within the first 24 hours so we advise them have extra oil filters on hand don't change every compressor at the same day you know do one a week so that you got backup equipment if you have an issue you know majority of the time that's that's what we don't we don't see a lot of leaks i mean at all anymore as we, as they used to back in, you know, the the early nineties and things, you know, now it's, it's more of it. You know, there was a lot of carbon buildup. Somebody overran an oil and it, it broke down and it created a lot of carbon. And again, it, That's, that's as everybody looks at it as a negative, but it's a good thing. It's cleaning all of that junk up and getting it out of the machine. And those, again, those are impurities in there and, 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 you know, they're going to create problems without being removed. And that's what the oil filters, you know, that's what it does. It brings it to the filter and, and gets it out of the system.
0: Yeah, that's that's what ended up happening, and it was a dirty system. So, and and the one one of the compressors that we ended up breaking down did have a bunch of carbon on the inside. So, uh, and I and that's that's exactly what happened. They started cleaning the inside of the machines, and I mean, it just gummed up the the uh the oil filter. I mean it was I mean it was just a gummy substance, which I it freaked me out at first because I was like, oh man, we've just you know, what are we gonna do with this whole I th- I was thinking we were gonna have to tear the whole compressor apart and everything. But <laughs> it I think it ended up only taking a few we had to do a bunch of uh filter change changes and and um it, it did it, it did cause a lot of issues everywhere that whenever we first got into it. But whatever happened, they they definitely got it got it figured out now. How how important is it to not make like whenever you're going from one of those minerals to a synthetic or semi synthetic? Um, I mean, because they tell you you need to get it all out of there. But how
1: how crucial is that? Do you do you know? Most of most of like like our products are, are are compatible with all all mineral oils and synthetics. So I mean, you can mix ours with a, even even that uh, even a naphthenic oil. You can mix it with it. It being that they're from the same base oil family, they will yep. be compatible. Sometimes different uh, different manufacturers use different types of additives, which may not always. Be compatible with each other. You know, a lot of people will say, "Well, it caused a lot of foaming in the machine." Well, you know, I, again, if I don't know all the details of that particular customer's old oil when switching over to something, um, you know, it, it can be iffy. But um, you know, majority of them, even even ours, is synthetic are compatible because we have oils that are blends of different products, Alka-Benzene and, uh, uh, hydro treated oils and, and synthetics and hydro treated oil blends. There's, there's different products that, you know, we can get different lives out of and things like that. But, you know, it's, there's certain oils. I mean, a, a POE oil, it should it no, I mean it, it happens occasionally, but POE oils in in ammonia are not good. So when you get somebody that's using a, you know, sometimes you get used compressors. Somebody puts in a used compressor that was running on R22. Uh, it may it might have been an R22 system with a POE or a 507 system that they switched over. You know, um, to an ammonia compressor. Uh, you you have to get every drop of that POE oil out because when ammonia Reacts with that POE, it creates a chemical, a solid it's called an amide, and those can go out in the system, and they they create like a glue. So it it's really it's really nasty. We've dealt with a few people that have converted in the last few years because there's a lot of these systems that were running, you know, 22 or 507, and they're converting them over to ammonia, and that, that can wreak wreak re- a lot of problems with that oil because of the how the ammonia reacts with that POE.
0: Yeah. So, so I have, I know of a I I we, and we'll have to discuss this offline cause I don't want to, I don't want to name any names or anything like that. Um, I, I'm just curious to see if one of the projects that you're talking about is, is the one that I'm talking about, because mm-hmm. we had a system, a very, very large system. Um, you know, I want to say that they might've even been close to a half a million pounds, maybe or maybe it were right under four hundred. I can't remember what it was, but it was big. Mm-hmm. They swapped to a Poe. Okay. Somebody went in, sold them on on a Poe oil, and it. Uh, we had we were doing an expansion. And it was a it was a huge expansion. Mm -hmm. Uh, like uh, over a hundred valve groups. Um, and, and they, and there, there was just issues with them. Uh, Like I said, I don't want to get into it, but they, they, they all, I mean, we had a a huge valve failure rate. Um, and, and we couldn't, couldn't figure out what was going on, but that was one of the things that came up was, um, that that it was running with POE oil. And I didn't know, I've never heard that, that what you just talked about,
1: that was the first time I've ever heard, Um, someone say that. So what does it create? It creates a little, a little chemical called an amide. And what it does is it reacts and it'll create like a growth. And sometimes it almost looks like mold growing inside of a, like a crankcase or something. And it, it can react in different locations, you know whether it's in the oil or if it's out in the system. Um, you know we, we had a customer over in uh, you know in Asia that had so many issues with converting over because you know they they kind of jumped the gun. They were in too much of a hurry, and you you can convert these systems over, but th- we make a, a flushing fluid that that we sell to people that they can you know cycle this oil through and it it absorbs that POE oil and gets it out. Um, you know we've had a few customers that have converted spiral freezers over, you know, they, they had, you know, an R22 system and, or, or even a 404 or 407, you know, depending on the refrigerant you know, in that system and they were using a POE oil and now they want to, well, we're going to save those, those freezer coils, but we're going to cut all the piping off and hook it up to the ammonia system that we've started building on the other wow. end of the plant. <laughs> and you got to flush all of that. Those coils are all full of oil, not full of oil, but there's a, I mean, a couple of drops of POE oil will create a, will just wreak havoc with some systems. And again, it's like you, like you described of valve failure is the most common thing, you know, so. Yeah, it was
0: massive. It was so, I mean, it, there, it was a very, very large percentage. Um, and, and we kept going in there, rebuilding the valves. Uh, and we eventually had to pull back and say, hey, something's going on. Um, and I, And I ended up leaving the company. I don't know what they ended up finding out um had happened but now, with
1: you mentioning that that that's i mean that was the exact issues that we were having well and like you said usually that the, the poes are are a big no-no with with ammonia now there are some of the newer systems where people are running on strictly dx uh, yeah. systems then you then they're doing some PAG oils some polyalkyl glycol oils uh, because it, it that one can be miscible with ammonia so it'll actually mix with the refrigerant and return back you know into the oil, either into the oil pot or back to the machine, depending on how much miscibility there is. Um, well, where, where the refrigerant, the ammonia and the oil will actually mix. But there's not there's not a lot of them out there because um, you know everybody's usually, usually running a recirculated system or a pump system. So, but this old, peg oils can be used occasionally out there, but not not very commonly. The 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 severely oils and the are And synthetics are the more common, but, um, you know, even getting back to what we talked about for the run hours, when you, when you go to a synthetic, you're looking at probably doubling it, uh, your run hours, you know, from 50 to a hundred thousand or more, but you know. Even at that point, a, a lot of people don't, you know, you're paying about twice as much per gallon for a synthetic oil. Um, but, you know, then there's a lot of companies out there, a lot of our customers that have a, it's written into their PSM where, you know, they, they, they run full out on those machines. They hit start, she loads to 100%, and it runs like that for eight months out of the year. And, yeah, You know, and and you might have it with your customers where every five years they're pulling that screw and either putting a new one on it or they're sending it in to get remanufactured. And usually at that time is when, you know, they'll do an oil change. but. Um, you know, and again, we got a lot of customers that I talk with on, on oil analysis and things like that. And they're like, yep, you know, I, I I feel bad. I'm not buying any oil from you other than, you know, makeup oil (laughs) every other year. But he says, I feel bad because we're not changing it, but I'm not doing it until it tells me to, well, I can't make you do it. But um, for me personally, I would almost tell people if you're going to run it over five to seven years to, uh, you know, have us do a a specific sample just to check to see where the additive package is. You know, the rest of the oil on an oil analysis might be fine, but we can do a separate test to see how much of the additive package is still left in there. And, you know, and then that gives people a little bit more comfort to say, yeah, I can run another two years, you know, or whatever, be the key. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it goes with that.
0: So, uh, so... Uh, what should everyone look for when considering a different or uh, a different oil or
1: or um, or a better oil so kind of what we want people to go through um when they're looking for, uh, a, a different oil or, you know, their warranty periods up, they don't want to pay for, you know, the, you know, the OEM oil anymore. Um, as you know, we just want to make sure, okay, what, what kind of temperatures are you running on your system to make sure that you're getting good oil return? Um, I know the, the advancements they've made in vessel technology and oil, oil pot technology now is, is a lot different than it was when I was there where you had a, a three quarter vent or maybe a one, inch vent or maybe a one inch inlet to those things. And at really low temperatures, even, even with the low temp oil, it's still going to flow slow into that vessel or into that oil pot and separate. So, um, that's kind of what we want to make sure is that, you know, are, are you running the right temperature for your system? Um, like I said, sometimes the OEMs get, get in involved in it and recommend a specific oil. Sometimes they don't, um, you know, so we want to go down that and and also know what oil they have now to make sure that, you know, what we're converting them to, um, you know, again, we, we're pretty familiar with all the all the blenders that make the OEM oils, um, and we again we know we know that technology and that formulation that was all based off the same same oil formulation back in the early '80s when this technology came out. Um, so we just want to know that to make sure that that the oil is going to be compatible, that it's top off compatible, that they can add it right to what they have. Um, it, without having to do a big oil change to, to make a move. Um, and then, and then when you're converting again from a napthenic oil to a hydro treated oil, uh, you know, we highly recommend our, our steel conditioner additives, whether it's in our 717 or in our full synthetic oils. Um, there's a lot of people that, that have converted over and they just keep running it because they've, uh, our, our, our seal conditioner additive has actually proven to prolong the life of, of shaft seals and O-rings within a compressor, uh, to make them last longer than, you know, three to five years on a standard oil, uh, a standard shaft seal, or, you know, depending on the system, how often you change a shaft seal on a machine. Uh, wow. yeah, especially with the cost of a shaft seal. I mean, some are three to five grand and then you got to oh, throw yeah. the labor to change it, you know? So, yeah, for sure. Um, that's, that's kind of what we look for is because again, that the, the hydro treated oils don't have the natural seal swell that the napthenics do. So we want to, we want to try to minimize the leak while saving the customer a heck of a lot of money by, you know, reducing their oil consumption by half over a napthenic oil, uh, and, uh, you know, minimize the problems. And, uh, you know, cause last thing I want to do is sell a guy, uh, a, a drum of oil. He puts it in his machine. He gets a 3am call that that machine is <laughs> I don't, I don't want that. Cause I've been there, done that. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, so, man. you know,
0: yeah. but, um, so, so you, y'all focus on making sure your oil is compatible with most of the oils out there or, or what, like you mentioned, um, being able to top off the, the oil.
1: Yep. I mean, the, the biggest thing is making sure ours is, you know, top off t- compatible with everything with when, when it comes to like the, again, the, the Frick three, the Frick nine, the FES number one, and the filter 717. It, it's virtually the same formula uh, for ours. It's, it's very close. Um it, I, out of a few of them, I know for sure we're using the exact same base oil and the same techno- same type of components for the additive package. We just give it a little twist to make that oil, that add package, a little bit more robust to make it last a little bit longer, which in turn, um, you know, reduces the, you know, the customer's overall cost of ownership of their equipment while increasing their efficiency. So, that's a another selling point on on the napthenic oils is when you go from a napthenic oil to a hydro treated oil, you're actually getting a, a, an oil that's twi- has twice the lubricity of that napthenic oil because it's so much more refined. The molecules are so much stronger; they're actually slipperier, and you you can you know we we've done tests and shown uh, major reduction in amp draw on machines uh, and increase, which will in turn eventually increase the efficiency of the system because you don't have any oil out in the in the system over time you know
0: wow so if that's provable i mean so and y'all have been able to prove that yeah like a yep. wow that's awesome i mean i'm i'm huge into kilowatt savings uh, or trying to you know, at least monitoring them and, and, and setting our, your system up to where it can operate as efficiently as, as possible. So uh, I love little things that you can do like that where you can just, you know, d- do something as simple as changing the oil and, and, and be able to reduce the, the the kilowatt usage for that machine. Um, one thing that you, you said that stood out to me, and I just had a question about it, you were talking about um, the seals being, it, y'all were able to prove that the seals were last, um,
1: or you got sales to last longer. How, how did that happen? What do you know? We just have customers that have used it um, that may have been using like our 717 HT uh, in yeah. some uh, certain machines and then they converted over uh, some com- some systems some of our customers you know they'll have multiple engine rooms and okay this you know engine room one is our oldest system that was running on napthenic oil and we were using an OEM oil in in engine room two per se and they yeah. you know they switched over you know they were using the OEM oil they switched started using our 717 HT there they might have went to our HT in the other room might have had some seal issues again that we we you know uh made them aware of there could be issues. Uh, you know, you might have a little bit of oil leakage or something there. And most of them are like, you know, exactly what you guys said was going to happen. But, you know, we save so much money by changing that oil out and not having to do oil changes and not having to add so much makeup oil that, yeah. um, but then they, they just stuck with it. And over time they've, you know, some of them that have been running it for, you know, 20 plus years are like, yeah, we, we used to, we get more, and more life out of the seal out of the shaft seals on the machines, and you know, they wow. you know, it just helps keep that, you know, again, it's a mechanical seal anyway, but yep. it keeps the lip seal, you know, in better condition while conditioning the seal itself based on the chemical, you know. So, wow. Dan that
0: was a crazy amount of information <laughs> yeah, you you were definitely an expert in
1: in uh, in lubricants <laughs> <laughs> yeah you put in enough time you know you get to you get to know a little bit about it and you know and i know you you had touched earlier that we had you know we were interested about knowing the differences in you know coalescibility on the oil uh and things like that too so you know the just a, a, just a quick side note is, you know, with, with uh, the hydro treated oils, the higher the refined oil by actually, you know, changing the molecular structure of that oil, it actually adds uh, molecular weight to the oil. So the oil droplets are actually heavier uh, than a naphthenic oil, which is more vaporized. So that in turn itself increases its coalescibility it, it increases your the ratio of the amount of oil that you can wring out through the coalescers. Um, and, and return it back to the the stump side of the system uh, of the compressor, and, yep. and eliminate which again eliminates that oil carryover out of the machine, uh, which keeps it you know in turn which means the customer has to buy you know if they were normally buy four drums of of makeup oil of a naphthenic they use a hydro treated oil they're gonna buy two to one drums a year so it it could save wow. them a lot of money in overall cost in a in a given year. Yep, that
0: makes sense. All right. Well, I guess this is a good stopping point, Dan. I seriously
1: appreciate you coming on to
0: share your knowledge. Really great stuff, man.
1: No problem. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, to help educate anybody we can that wants to listen about it. You know, there's, again, it's one of those things that can go on for hours talking about. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it just, uh, you only got so much time in a day and and, uh, you know, again, you know, all of us at CAMCO, myself involved, you know, really appreciate the opportunity to, to, to work with you on this podcast and, and anybody else that, uh, you know, has questions or we're more than happy to help educate, whether it's about our product or somebody else's. So that's yeah. what we're there for, you know.
0: Awesome. Dan, do you have, um, any contact information that you want to put out there just in case anybody wants to, uh, reach out and, and talk to you about oil or see if you got any oil for them or whatever it may be
1: yeah if they got any questions i mean they can they can just send me an email at uh, dan w at camco lubricants dot com or they can always give me a call at the office at 763 uh we're more than happy to help anytime somebody's got a question or, or needs some stuff or again just you know has a question about oil we're, we're there to help uh Help educate, regardless. So, yep, that's what it's all about, helping everybody in this industry because you know everybody's going to get stuck sooner or later, <laughs> for
0: sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. It'll probably it'll probably be tomorrow too. <laughs> At least for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Dan. I appreciate it, man. Have a good day.
1: All right. Thanks. You too. All
0: right. See ya. All right. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was a ton of information to take in. Dan did an awesome job of helping me understand a little more about oil in our systems, and I hope you learned something as well. So, to add to this episode, I want to talk a little bit about different scenarios in which you could be losing oil. Uh, One thing that we should always keep in mind is to keep an eye on the compressor oil levels just so we can catch issues as they're happening, not when it's too late. Now, as far as the scenarios that cause sudden oil loss, checking oil levels wouldn't help here, like blowing out a coalescer, which can be caused by liquid slugs or things of that nature. So if we're losing oil while it's running, it's going out the discharge. You either have your oil return shut or clogged or your strainers clogged. Something's going on where it's not returning the oil back to the compressor. If you lose it at shutdown, your suction check is probably going bad. A good way to check this is to shut down the compressor and look for backspin on the coupling. And you're looking for a lot of backspin here. It's not common for the compressor to backspin just a little as it equalizes pressure against the suction check. You can also look at the pressure on your compressor microprocessor. If the compressor's discharge equalizes with the suction right away, you know you have a bad suction check. You can also lose out the economizer at this time if the economizer check is bad. You can also lose oil while you're down if your discharge check is bad. You can push the oil back through the equalizer for your suction check, and with the constant pressure on the separator pushing the oil up the compressor through the oil lines, it's constantly trying to equalize, pushing more and more oil into the suction. Uh, There's a lot more ways to lose oil, but these are typically the most common ways that I run into. All right, everyone. I, I hope you enjoyed the first episode as much as I enjoyed making it. It's an awesome experience. and I hope you guys join me next time. If you need to contact me for anything, don't hesitate to shoot me an email at josh at insidethepipe.com. That's josh at nsidethepi Especially if you'd like to be a guest and you love ammonia on your refrigeration. I hope everyone has a safe and productive day. Take care and see you next time.